Here we go on a Stanley Cup Finals Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio every Sunday at 5. I should say at 8. It's not 5. Maybe 5 somewhere. On Fox Sports Radio, which is 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, Las Vegas flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The we also include social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Yeah, if you know Spencer and what he does, you'll know why he has earned his own theme song. And also, producing today's show, a special guy producing, Doug Douglas is here. I mean, Doug has done just about everything at Lotus Broadcasting, a Hall of Famer, and we're honored to have him in studio. And on top of all of his other duties, Doug is now the voice of the press box at T-Mobile Arena for all Vegas Knights games, and he's been doing that since the inaugural season, since the inception. So talk about a guy that has seen many Golden Knights games and can help us out today with Nightcap. Uh, that's Doug Douglas. So looking forward to that at also. And, uh, hey, by the way, the um, show is live and interactive, so you can uh, give us a call if you'd like. The Residential Bank Corp. studio line is 702-876-1340. This is Bobby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in Nevada. On Tap. There is a pressure, definitely, you know, but it's a, it's a good pressure, you know, you want to be that, in that, in that spot, you, you dream about this situation, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's everything that's going on, it's, it's so much fun, and you basically, uh, as I said, you're dreaming about to be in this spot, so it's, it's, it's going to be great hockey, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, 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 to this challenge. What, what about, about Bob? Bob? That's uh, Sergei Bobrovsky right there, and... Uh, uh, you know, right now, maybe the best goaltender in the world, although the Vegas Golden Knights are finding a way to put the puck in the net. But uh, we'll hear a little bit more from Sergei Bobrovsky. At, uh, that was from Media Day a couple of days ago at T-Mobile Arena for the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, and on tap, obviously, a lot of Vegas Golden Knights with nightcap tonight as uh, the Vegas Golden Knights take a one to nothing series lead in the 2023 Stanley Cup Final. Really cool. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Media Day. And the NBA Finals is going on. Those teams from Miami, man, eight seeds, big in two of the four major sports, both happening at the same time. And we talked about it in the past. We'll talk about it today as uh, they get ready for game two in the NBA Finals today that will be happening up in Denver. And uh, we'll talk about that series, Spencer. A lot of notes. And also, fact this. A little bit interesting. Tom Brady making news again. Shocking. We'll talk about that as well. And, of course, uh, we'll have our Aces up, the Las Vegas Aces, 5-0, uh, and o, starting the season undefeated. There are people that saying they might not lose a game all year. Interesting. That's 
a lot to ask. And also, uh, the Aviators won more game before they head out of town as well for our Aviators report. That is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current home financing options right now in the state of Nevada. And before I uh, get going at all, man, Doug, you know, I woke up this morning and I just had this horrible, overwhelming feeling after leaving T-Mobile Arena last night. I thought, what a great game. Everything just looks good. It feels good. This, uh, potential destiny again with the Florida Panthers. We were worried about it. And I woke up and all of a sudden I'm like, why does my gut hurt? And then I remembered, wait a minute. I had a flashback to 2018. And I said, wait, weren't we here before? We won the first game of the Stanley Cup Finals and then lost four straight. Maybe I shouldn't get that excited. I'm not going to say this Florida Panthers team is the same team as the Washington Capitals was in 2018, but you got a really hot goaltender. You've got a guy like Matthew Tuchuk, who very well may be the MVP of the postseason, the way this guy has played. And just a team in Florida that just has refused to lose. They've been here before. They've taken out the two best teams in the NHL record-wise in the regular season. Boston Bruins, the best regular season record ever. And Carolina with the second best record in hockey. Florida's bumped them both. Well, Vegas has the third best record in hockey. You know? Well, it's... it. Yes. To answer your first question, yes, everybody should be concerned because there is that old adage that a hockey series never starts until the home team loses. So nothing has happened right now, you know, until you get to a game seven or something, if that ever comes. Right now, Vegas did what they are supposed to do. They are supposed to win again on Monday. But I will say this, and I like uh, watching some of the post-game reaction last night. They reminded some of the original reminded Misfits. You've been here before. You won game one. You won game one. This time, eh, you know, maybe it'll keep their head a little bit more focused. There's more depth. There's more experience with players who have won the Stanley Cup before in that room. And the paddle save that Holtby had against Tuck, this time Hill had it against, what was that, Bennett? I think it was Bennett. Yeah. Holy uh, mackerel. Same I, end of the ice and everything. The, ice. the only exactly. difference, the only the only difference was I saw it last night. I actually watched the save by Brad, Braden Holtby on Alex Tuck from 2018, and it was with the front. He didn't have – I mean, right, you're talking the, the very you're end of the goalie blade stopped that puck. One of the greatest saves I have to see that I have ever seen, maybe in regular or postseason play. It's, I remember that one save Marc-Andre Fleury made once where he completely flat out and caught it with right. his glove. But this save rivaled that one, in my opinion. And you know what? It seemed to charge and put a charge into the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, all of a sudden, it's like, we have got to play better in front of Aiden Hill. And listen, we're going to go right into nightcap right now. Go ahead and hit it, Spencer. And you'll hear, uh, you'll, you'll get to hear um, uh, uh, Bruce Cassidy talking about that as well. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Again, based on the makeup of our roster, we had injuries that uh, justifiably we were unable to overcome. But the makeup of the roster, the people in the room, all the people in the room, I think we were pretty comfortable. We didn't make a lot of changes from last year, probably our quietest uh, summer in terms of. Uh, 
I'm signed Phil Kessel, traded for Aiden Hill, uh, Max Pacioretty, re-signed all our RFAs. Those were, uh, those were the things that we worked on uh, last summer. So I, I think, yes, uh, we, we did envision this. We did think that, we, you know, we have a, and I, and I say we all the time, I refer to myself, I refer to George, I refer to our close scouting staff, and Ron Carpen. Uh, we have a pretty clear vision of what we think a uh, championship team, a contending team, needs to look like. We've worked hard to, to acquire that, to build it. That's, uh, that's been our objective. So, uh, yeah, we did feel uh, confident heading in uh, to the season. Yeah, you know, and that's Kelly McCrimmon, general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, talking about the acquisitions they made, the moves they made in the offseason, because Bill Foley made it very clear, and it's funny, Doug, you know, he said, when he first got, this team was first founded, he said, playoffs in three years, Stanley Cup in six. Well, they've been in the playoffs every year but one, and last year they barely missed it, and if they would have made the playoffs last year, what people don't take into account, they would have made the playoffs with the most man injury hours or, or minutes in the history of the National Hockey League. No team has made it with that many guys out for so long. Last year, they were just an injury-riddled team, and they couldn't recover from it. But if you would have told me that five goaltenders would have combined in the regular season to get this team the best record in the Western Conference, and at one point, there was like four games and four different goaltenders or something. It was like ridiculous. I think the first time in an NHL history that the four different goaltenders had wins. Yeah, the way that they did. And, you know, again, with Kelly McCrimmon, and there's times that I criticize things with the Golden Knights. And, and I mean, you know, and yesterday it was being criticized in the locker room as well after the game that, you know, you only bring out a couple players. And now with so many media members at these games, it is just, I mean, I mean it is a, it's a mosh pit. It really is. I'm ready to start bouncing up and down and running into people. And that's a problem. I've never seen that with any professional sport before. I love the media people at the Vegas Golden Knights. They're very helpful in a lot of different ways, but I'm very surprised surprised that you only bring out a couple of players and national media people were upset about it like should we be able to request who we want to talk to it's always been that way wherever I've done it but we'll leave that alone right now the point is is that after the game you walked into this locker room and uh, you know it was just filled with filled with people like I've never seen before uh, the excitement in the room was pretty incredible but it was very hard to get close and up next to players it's it, that has to be a top down because that seems to have been a theme pretty much for the entire run of the Vegas Golden Knights. No, it has been. I've not, like I said, it's just something that we're used to. But when you're an outside member coming in, it's like, oh my God, can I? You know, I want to talk to Jonathan Marshall. Well, no. Do you want to talk to him in French? Because yeah, if you need him in French, we'll get him out here because we understand. You know, that's. What you're, but it, that was kind of it. But you know, again, going back to Kelly McCrimmon, besides that fact. He has done a really good job yes. taking over since George McPhee. People didn't give him a lot of credit. And what he did before the trading deadline this year, Doug, I'm not going to say amazing, miraculous. It was smart. It was it was absolutely thought out. And Barbashev is one of the greatest additions, I think, that I've seen in the past couple of years by a team in a postseason. He has fit in well. But to get an acquisition right before the trading deadline that ends up on your first line, 
that doesn't that usually happen. happen. And and I was mistaken about him. I thought, ah, you know, maybe he'll fit in. He's a third line type of guy. No, he has been a difference maker and and a great setup guy and a guy that's put a timely puck in the net. Teddy Bluger in his time when he's been on the ice came in and spelled Michael Amadio for a couple of games, put a couple of pucks in the net, did a really good job. And uh, and then Jonathan Quick, just having him sitting there, Doug. You know, he paid dividends the very first day he came aboard when they played the Sharks and Aiden Hill had the best game of his career and it's like, hey, I got Jonathan Quick sitting on the bench behind me. Do I want to see the ice in the postseason? I got to show him how good I am. Well, look what that's done for him. And that game against Dallas, he's never been the same goaltender to me since then. Even though he got hurt after that, since he has come back in the lineup, he is a different guy now. He's been in the league seven years, and you know, twenty in his in his approaching his late twenties, still where you should be in the prime of your career. But this guy has been a pleasant surprise. Usually by twenty-seven, you know if a guy's going to be a star or not. This guy's been hidden on benches right now until this year in his career, and all of a sudden, like I said, Aiden Hill and Laurent Brossois, they could go out and finance a nice house and a car right now because the cost of poker has gone up for both those guys. They're going to be paid. Well, it kind of the analogy going to another sport. If, if, and there's still a long way to go in this series, but if Aiden Hill is the difference maker in this series, which he has been for a while now, is an analogy with Kurt Warner somewhat appropriate? Wow. I mean, you know, where was Kurt Warner? He's bagging groceries, right? No, it's true. Aiden Hill wasn't bagging groceries, but he has been a backup and, and, and an afterthought. I mean, he was brought in as an insurance policy when they realized Robin Leonard wasn't going to play for the entire season. And McCrimmon talked about it and said, you know, that's when we're going to go out and get Aiden Hill. And when we got Aiden Hill, I thought, okay, he was one of the guys out there that I actually had targeted. I have like five or six guys that they were going to go out and reach and grab. And he was one of them on my list. Mags was actually surprised. Like, wow, you called that one. But there was only a few guys that I knew that McCrimmon and McPhee might be interested in going out and attaining. What a great pickup he has been and a great acquisition. And just the moves. You know, every time you get rid of players, like in the offseason, they got rid of Pacioretty, a fan favorite. This guy's a guy that's had injury problems. He's also a guy getting into his mid-30s. Get your value while you can. And Pacioretty's played well when he's been on the ice here. So get value for him, which they did. And and, and cut the salary cap. You know, make sure you're you're fitting everything in. I like everything that this guy has done to this point. I think this trading deadline was magical. I don't know that Jonathan Quick will ever see the ice in the postseason, but even if he doesn't, he's paid dividends just by being there with his experience. Four guys that have won a Stanley Cup on this team. And what's ironic, Doug, and I'll bet if I, I asked you, you probably would know, but what's ironic about the four guys that have, that, you know, the four guys that have that been the Stanley Cup? There's a, there's a little bit of irony. Uh, well... Kings and Blues. Or the well, yeah, they yeah, were they teammates were on the prospective teams okay, that won right, the right. Stanley Cup. Martinez and, I Quick, Quick, Martinez and Quick were teammates, and Petrangelo and, and Barbashev were, were teammates. So, you know, there's this chemistry and the understanding of how to win and what it takes to win. And what's really cool talking about all that, and I know Spencer's got it ready, you know, all I've heard about Jonathan Quick, and, you know, he's a man of few words, doesn't really like being interviewed, doesn't like the media, can be a jerk. He's been known for that. And I thought, well, you know, i got to talk to this guy. It's almost a bucket list. 
is you're talking about, in my opinion, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time for maybe a five or six year stretch in the NHL. What he did in 2012 is still, in my opinion, unprecedented, regardless of what Florida does. Because last year they were the President's Cup. They were they won the President's Cup. The Kings didn't win the President's Cup before they came from the eighth seed and went all the way to the Stanley Cup. Vesna Trophy winner Mike Quick or John, excuse me, Jonathan Quick. And you want to talk about a guy when they say standing on his head or seeing beach balls, those analogies in 2012 fit because this guy just all of a sudden, when they got into the postseason on the last day of the regular season with the A seed, Jonathan Quick just decided, you know what? I'm going to say no. No more pucks are getting in my net. Especially no more pucks than it takes for us to win a hockey game. And that guy just became impermeable. And Jonathan Quick, you know, in my opinion, he's definitely a Hall of Fame goaltender. 37 on his way out. What a cool thing for him to get a ring. The problem is, I think if he doesn't play a minute, he doesn't get on the cup. Oh, no, he does. But because he's the, the backup, backup goaltender, he's right. The backup right. Goaltender. He, right. It's it's Logan Thompson. You just got to feel oh, for these my guys. God. I mean, Logan Thompson, what he did throughout the beginning of the season, it's tough, but there's only so many names they could squeeze on that cup, and you got to see the cup. Another guy, Phil Kessel, with, with his magical consecutive game streak, which is still intact right. because it counts in the regular season. Unfortunately, he did get some time in the postseason in the Winnipeg series, but he's on the bench now and you're not I mean he's deep on the bench because if someone comes in the first guy off the bench is going to be Bluger he's proved himself and I think his toughness and his ability to find people you just can see the confidence that Bruce Cassidy has in him and defensively it's it's Hutton so there's you know and you wonder if if it came down to a, a second guy would it be Kessler or would it might be Paul Cotter that they would bring in if they brought in somebody else because Cotter played so well for them all season and one of the guys that remained healthy so but you know that that's that, that's 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 interesting, but going back to Jonathan Quick, I got a chance to talk to him on Media Day. He definitely spoke more than five words to me, and we had a little conversation, even smiled a couple times, which was actually kind of surprising. So, Spence, go ahead and roll that if you got it. Uh, wanted to ask you, first and foremost, you know, how do you look at this Florida team? They come from the eighth seed, like you guys did in 2012 with LA. Do you see any similarities with this Florida team to maybe that 2012 team, LA Kings? Because same thing, they have a really hot goaltender, and look what they've done. Yeah, I mean, they're two different teams, right? Uh, any team playing in the cup finals are going to have a hot goaltender, right? So, and then they're going to they're going to have four lines that can all play. They're going to have six D that can all play, right? So it's uh, you know you can compare them to. A lot of the cup final teams in the past, you know, 20 years, you know, and then, um, I think just the fact that it's an 8 seed, that's why they, the Kings and the, the, that Kings team and Panthers are being compared to, to each other. You were in L.A. when the, the Vegas Gold Knights were formed. Everyone's kind of surprised the hockey team in Vegas. Is it surprising to other people around the league before you got here how the success of this team so early and so consistently? Out, no, they've had a great lineup for the past five, six years, right? So it's, uh, when you have to be that kind of talent and, and guys playing the right way, right? It's gonna, it's gonna trans, translate to wins and playoff wins and series wins, and you know they've, they've done as good of a job as anyone in the league over the past five, six years of doing that. What, what would you say about this team, like the character of this team, if you had to sum it up? That's um, why they team uh, they're, they're, they're just we're a team, right? We're, uh, we're not a team that relies on one or two guys. We're, we're uh, our leadership is it's more of a group 
of leaders that you know you lead by committee, and then the same with any everything throughout the lineup, where it's PK or power play scoring, you know this that one shots. It's, it's my committee. It's by you know it's it's always kind of team team first mentality. Finally, you've yet played for three different coaches. Now Bruce Cassidy. What makes Bruce Cassidy special, different? And what would you have to say about him? I, I think he does a great job preparing our team. Um, you know, there's no questions of everyone's assignments, job going into every single game. And there, there's no surprises from coming from the other team that we haven't discussed and gone over and prepared for. You know, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan said more than five words, Doug. I mean, he talked, <laughs> I'll tell you that right there. Yeah, you drew him out. I was pretty happy that I'm like, but everyone's like, don't waste your time. He's not going to talk to you. He doesn't talk. And I'm like, he talked to me. I mean, I don't know whether I hit a quarter or whatever, but you know what? He loved, it's almost, it was almost a bucket list thing when he got here for me, Doug. I almost added that to my bucket list. I'd be exaggerating and fibbing if I said I actually did add it to my bucket list, but it was almost there because talking to a guy with his experience and again, what he did in 2012 was magical. And, you know, this guy made some, I remember watching the Kings play in the playoffs and he just, it was spectacular save after spectacular save. This wasn't a very good LA Kings team. Like Florida is a good hockey team. That LA Kings team was mediocre on a good day, but it was Jonathan Quick that was elite, that made that team special. And I've always, you know, there's no sport like the NHL when it comes to your last line of defense, which is your goaltender. A goaltender can make the difference in a series. He can can close down a team like a Boston looks like a juggernaut. We saw what Bobrovsky did late in that series. Just decided at the end, I'm going to start saying no. And in overtime of that last game, when 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 they when they won it, it was him. I mean, as, as great as Matthew Tuchuk has been, again, two overtime winners in back-to-back games is pretty incredible and special what this guy is doing in only his seventh year in the NHL. How good is he going to be? you got to start talking about him as one of the elite players. But Bobrovsky, late in his career, you know, the third longest to ever reach the Stanley Cup Finals. It was his 100th playoff game yesterday, and he's the third longest goaltender to play regular season in, I think, 107 games. 107, um, I had I had the statistic here, but it was it's like ridiculous how many games he played before getting to a Stanley Cup final, and um, you feel for the guy. I feel for him. I uh, I'm happy that he made it here, and he can go home with the memory of losing the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> well, you don't have to sell me on quick, of course. I grew up in Southern California. Yeah. I like hockey. You can probably guess what team I was a fan of. I was a season ticket holder of the LA Kings uh, back in the Gretzky. I always say the Tony Granato days because then people know I'm a real hockey fan. If you say Gretzky, they just think you're jumping on the bandwagon. Kelly Rudy, all those guys. Oh, the man. Hey, Marty McSorley, man. Marty came McSorley. over from the Edmonton Oilers. He needed protection, so McSorley came with him. Well, that's a sore subject because, of course, the curve stick and yes, against Montreal. Yes, yes. All that stuff. But having said that, you know, it is, I agree with what you said about the moves that were made because I think sometimes, and you know, that that's the thing about it. everybody's got an opinion. There's people pulling the strings and either, you know, if, if you end with a cup raised, they made all the right moves. Otherwise, you're always open to second guessing. But I was so glad with the moves that they made because they didn't give away, they didn't give away the future. And while the, the Silver Knights, Knights didn't, didn't make the playoffs, they weren't even close, they had players that came up when injuries became a problem that were able to fill holes admirably, even, as you said, in the playoffs some. And that is what, let's be honest, when you're looking at whether it's baseball, 
hockey, hockey whatever, whatever, that's the number one thing you want from your development franchise. You know, you'd love them to win. You know, Coachella is uh, one game away from going up against Hershey in the AHL championship. But when it all comes down to it, you want to be able to have people that are ready to play in your system if the need arises, and that is what the Knights have. And that's kudos to the whole organization. No, it really is, Doug. And, you know, one of the things that Florida tested them on right away yesterday was the physicality of this team. You have the finesse players. You think of Stone and Eichel. It's almost finesse players. You forget when you stand next to Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel's a big man. I know, he doesn't but, seem like But you don't look at him and think he's a big man. But, you know, after the game, Jack Eichel talked to him about the physicality of the game and being a physical team. And he's like, you know what? We'll play physical. And uh, and, and, and uh, Spencer's roll that if you got it. You know, our team stuck together all year. Uh, we do a good job of that, standing up for each other. And, uh, I think that's uh, something we take a lot of pride in. So, um, you know, if, uh, you know, it's going to be physical. You know, it's going to be physical. You just got to uh, stick together, and, and uh, you know, we did that. You know, and that's the whole thing. They need to just stick together, like he said, and play physical, and they did. I mean, Jack Eichel... The first fight I've ever seen him get in that I remember last night. He literally put, was it was it who did he put on his back? It, it was um it was something that was. It, I was more focused on Hague because no, and Petrangelo. No, you know who it was? It was Nick Cousins, the old the old you know, Vegas, Vegas Golden Knight, who literally was on the doorstep and and he kind of shoved. Like what he did is he came over and shoved Aiden Hill backwards. Oh, that's right. That's and nobody and and you know that is the number one. T- you want to get yourself killed in the NHL? Push a goaltender during a game. I don't care if the guy slashes you. You don't push a goaltender. Everyone's going to be on you. And Jack Eichel immediately is to his defense. You saw Alec Martinez come to his defense. That's what's going to happen. But it was cool seeing Aiden Hill throw a punch and get away with it. I mean, he didn't get a penalty. And and a lot of times, that'll throw a goalie off the game. That's exactly what Florida wanted. Yes. And that's what happened uh, with Allmark in the Bruins. I remember remember it. it. Yeah. And that, I'm sure that was part of their game plan. 100%. And it it, it almost backfired on him, Doug. And the the Golden Knights. And and the one thing is, you know, you stress... well, you know, the oldest cliche in sports, defense wins championships. These two teams, based on this year's Stanley Cup playoffs, are the two best defensive teams in hockey right now meeting in the Stanley Cup finals. And, you know, one of the keys, and I said before the game, people are talking about who are the keys. We need to see Jack Eichel score. He didn't score last series. But Jack Eichel does so many things that might not score up on a show score sheet, but still he's one of the top scorers in the postseason, even though he didn't put a lot of goals in the, you know, what is it? I think he's got seven goals, eight goals uh, right now. But the point is tons of assists, tons of assists, and he's up there. But the key, again, is defense. And one of the things that I said, a guy that is going to have to show up, I just talked about it on my show Friday night, that a guy that needs to really show up for the Vegas Golden Knights is Shea Thea. Or offensively, he is one of the best two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League. Talk to anybody in the league right now, and they'll tell you Shea Theodore is becoming one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. A guy that is very well respected, and a guy that has to be accounted for every time he's on the ice. He needed to score, and last night, Shea Theodore got a goal, and I was shocked as well. I thought he had one other goal, but that was his first goal of the postseason. And Jack Eichel talked about how important Shea Theodore is to this team and, you know, that they expect this out of him, basically. Yeah, Shea's uh, Shea's a huge part of our group, and, um, you know, it was good to see him get rewarded there. But like you said, he's been doing so many other things for us and um, the way that he transports the puck up the ice, and uh, he's... He could be a one-man breakout at times. He does a lot of, uh, he does so much for our team. So, uh, 
you know, give him a ton of credit. And, uh, it's good to see him get rewarded there. Obviously, like you said, he's been on a little drought, and I'm sure it feels good to find one, and uh, hopefully it, you know, boosts his game in the next uh, next few. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Shea Theodore, I think that's going to do nothing but get his confidence going and something they needed with him from him. You know, Shea Theodore hurt his hand at the regular, end of the regular season, and a lot of people don't talk about that. When he missed the one game, I thought it initially was because of his hand, but I heard he was just sick. He wasn't feeling well that day. But, you know, Shea Theodore is a guy that this team counts on tremendously. You know, as much as they count on a guy like Alex Petrangelo with all that experience, Shea Theodore is quietly one of the leaders of this team. They count on him on, the, on special teams. And they count on him regularly. I mean, this guy is a guy that just sees the ice really well. Skates with his head up as well as anybody in the National Hockey League. And if you watch him skate, I think if they wanted to, you could make Stace Theodore a winger in the National Hockey League pretty easily if you wanted to. But he's so good also defensively. He's good on the back check. And he's just got to get going offensively. Kind of like, look at Jonathan Marginsel. Doesn't score in the Winnipeg series. Completely non-existent. And all of a sudden, you get, you know, you, you get into the next series. He's had eight goals in the last eight games now, or nine goals in the last nine games. I mean, this guy is on fire, and that's one of the things Jonathan Marchso and, and you know Kelly McCrimmon talked about. You know, the core of the Misfits, this team that's kept in place, and he said it was strategic. These guys kept in place. Even William Carrier, they could see the potential of this guy, and it came to the forefront this year with a, with his best his career year in scoring goals. I think fifteen or sixteen goals in the season, and that's missing a decent amount of time as well. I think Carrier. Would have been a twenty-goal scorer had he not missed, you know, more than a handful of games during the course of the season. But the, the core of this team is this misfit line, and I really think they still generate the energy of this team, especially a guy like Marchso. Undersized. If you don't know the story about Jonathan Marchso, I could take up an whole hour talking about what this guy has done to get himself in the National Hockey League every day. And Kelly McCrimmon talked about that as well. Every day, this guy feels like he's got something to prove, and he plays like it. For a little guy, he is about as physical as you're going to get. For a guy 5'9", maybe a buck 80. No, and he will take nothing from anybody. I mean, he he gives it to you. One player that I would say the most improved player, as you know, I have been at every home game and I watch every game, is the difference between, and Nick Hague got a late start in the season a little bit because of some contractual stuff. He has become so good. And what he's done in all these playoff series... Because if you talk to most Golden Knights players, he's the one you don't want to fight. They go, he knows how to fight. But he's just, last night, he's just taking punches. He just, he just goes, left, takes punches, and laughing. Did you see? I mean, he's no, laughing. No, 100%. And he wants to make sure, you know what? He wants to make sure, don't take that dumb penalty. Just let them punch themselves out. And it must be very frustrating for a Florida team to try to get under your skin and to have Vegas, all in all, it's only one game. But all in all, stay composed, stay mostly out of the penalty box, and just say, well, you want to play that way? We'll just take the W. That's no problem. I, you know, I said when you, when you, Nick Hay, when you stand next to him in the locker room, off skates, is truly an imposing figure. He's six foot four. He is, and I thought at the beginning of the year, you know, what Bruce Cassidy needs to do is go sit down with Nick Hay, and they need to watch Mystery Alaska together. And he needs to say, do you see the guy? Remember when, when Russell Crowe, you're a big guy. Say it. I'm a big guy. And that's what he needed to do. And Nick Hay realizes, I'm a big guy. And he's playing like that right now. And that is absolutely. Absolutely a difference maker when you've got a 6'4 guy that is imposing on defense because Braid McNabb. Um, 
The one thing about Braden McNabb, and I've heard people talk to me about this and ask me what's wrong with Braden McNabb. They're not seeing as much on the back check as they have because Braden McNabb is one of the best players, in my opinion, defensively on the back check in the league, as well as, hey, he's the second leading shot blocker in the league behind his teammate, Alex Martinez. So you need, but Braden, Braden McNabb is playing hurt. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't know that, get off the guy. He's got hurt ribs. Try breathing with hurt ribs, let alone playing in the NHL with hurt ribs. And, Yes, and he is still playing his heart out. He's hurt, though, and that's really the difference, what you're seeing. And I think Shea Theodore, too, I think the hand has bothered him. And I think that's one of the reasons you're not seeing him put the puck in the net. He's still putting the puck on other people's sticks, but I think it's getting better because it's not getting hurt again, and I think we're seeing that now where we're going to see more of an offensive production out of him. But this, this team defensively, the top six players defensively on this team when they are healthy, they are so sound from one to three. I mean, there are times when you'll see him even lean on the third line of defense with Zach Whitecloud and Nicholas Haig because of the physicality they bring. And I'll tell you what, if you don't know this, talk to these guys. I don't know that I've ever met an athlete that doesn't like losing more than Zach Whitecloud. That guy hates to lose, and I love that about him. Just a fierce competitor, another guy that looks mild-mannered, kind of has that simple base. Yeah. Exact class exudes class, and this guy can play the game of hockey, and, it, and it definitely there's a reason they were excited to get him back before the postseason and have him healthy. Those three lines of defense are incredible. Um, Doug, the last thing before we leave the subject, and I knew it was going to take up most of the show, and I don't mind that it goes off the show log today because this is the subject everyone's talking about in Vegas right now. The most legitimate chance they've had to win the Stanley Cup. You've been here since year one, as I have. Watched everything. In my opinion, you know, and I'll say it, I've said it again and again and again, that year one of the Stanley Cup, of the, of the NHL for the, um, the Vegas Golden Knights was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced and been a part of my life. I felt blessed to be here and be a part of it. An expansion team, not a team that came from another city or a transplanted team, an expansion team, meaning they, these guys were considered not the, one of the top 10 players on their team because they were all let go. They were misfits. They came here with a chip on their shoulder. One of the nicest guys I've ever met in my, my career of getting to interview people was Mark Andre Fleury. Maybe the most humble superstar I've ever met, and yet probably had the biggest hidden chip on his shoulder. He was the hunchback in Notre Dame, except he had a way of hiding the hunch. And my, my, my God, was this, that guy incredible. But looking at that 2017 and then 2018 playoff team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals and now looking at this team, what do you see as the biggest difference? And I'm going to tell you one of the things that I think, after I hear your opinion, but is the biggest difference of this team, and you know, is this the best team the Vegas Golden Knights have put on the ice in their short existence. Well, first of all, because people love to do revisionist history, everybody's saying, oh, everything was stacked for the Vegas Golden Knights. They were picked not even to make the playoffs. All these experts around the league, they were, you know, oh, this team's going to be lucky to win 25 games or something. So slow down on that. But I will say the biggest difference is what you said earlier, and it's those six defensemen. To me, that is... And Cassidy's system and, and just the way going in with that defense because, as you know, it can happen in baseball, it can happen in football. Defense normally doesn't leave you. Offense, any anybody can go cold, and that's what happens. Look at Edmonton. My gosh, you think the Vegas Golden Knights are scared of Dallas or Florida's offense? After that was the team I was most scared of. Me too. Me too. I thought, to be honest with you, when I saw Brossois go down, I thought, well, that, you know, it was a good run, but no team's going to go that. Resilient. You got three, three guys, guys with over 100, 100 points, points on their team each. And like I said, on a power play.
You know, the one thing, and all I, all I said, Vegas only is everyone that asked me, I said the same exact answer. What what do we need to do to step, beat everything? There's only one thing. Stay out of the box. Yeah, stay stay out, of the box. out of the box. And Dreisaitl scores four goals and they still lose. Oh and that's, God. you know, but Carlson, that's another thing. Carlson has so improved his two-way game, and I know there's certain people say, oh, he's overrated, hey, he's hey, overpaid. Look what I'm wearing today. Yeah, you're wearing a Carlson thing, a jersey, sweater, whatever you want to call it. But so to answer your question, I would say those six quality defensemen are the big difference because we had scoring. I say we, but I do work for the team, so I can't. You can say we. Uh, had scoring, but it's the defense those six defenders, if if the Vegas Golden Knights can keep them healthy, and it's only one game, you know, overreaction, blah blah blah. But I think that's the biggest difference. I would I would agree with you, and uh, and because of that, your opinion, you're one for one, one for one. I, I had to ref. I had to find a way to reference. The only thing I'm famous for to the press. Hey, you know what? We love it. If you're in the press box, I mean, it is always. It, I don't want to say humorous. Doug does a great job, and I don't know how sometimes he pronounces these names. I know you have to practice them before the game, or but I have them written out phonetically. Nothing like the National Hockey League trying to get names out. But Doug does the, you do just. It's a great job, man. It's you make you make it entertaining when he talks about it. When he tells you the attendance, or when he tells you about the power play, it's always entertaining in the press box, and we enjoy. I know speaking because people talk about it. We look forward to it. We wait for the two for two. Yeah. So. Ed Graney and Brian Salmon, they, that's how they come up. They go, they talk to me about that. This year, I think I got to, it wasn't fun, but I got to do first time ever an 0 for 7. One time the Vegas Golden Knights oh. were 0 for 7. And I was like, wow, this is the first time I'm saying this. I hope never to say it again. Oh. Yeah, it's the greatest. Uh, finally, wrap, wrapping this up, my opinion, the biggest difference of this team besides, and you're great, you're, you are right, you know, the fact that right now they are healthy at the end of the season, the players they need healthy are all healthy, the best players in their team, the difference makers, those guys are healthy, and guys that have stepped up their game. A guy like Howden, who has absolutely an unsung guy, doesn't get a ton of ice time, but a guy that every time he is on the ice, he goes full speed. From the minute he steps on the ice to the minute he gets off, he is at full speed, and a guy that will mix it up in the corner. He does all the things that you need to do to make the squad. And Michael Amadio, he, you know what he basically says? I'm refusing to go out of this lineup again. And he plays very, very hard and from top to bottom. But to me, the biggest difference is Bruce Cassidy, man. I, you know what? And it's hard for me because I'm a huge Gerard Gallant fan. Of course, a former Detroit Red Wing. He wore the A for several years while Stevie Eiserman wore the C. I mean, I grew up loving Gerard Gallant. And then, of course, you know, he comes here just a very a player's coach, a personable guy, a nice guy, you know, quiet confidence. He just liked him. And then Pete DeBoer comes in. Wasn't a gigantic Pete DeBoer plan, probably because he was coach of the Sharks before he came here. But, you know, Bruce Cassidy just has this it factor, Doug. And he took Boston to a seven game, seventh game in the Stanley Cup before. He knows how to win. But his defensive philosophy, to me, is as good as anyone in the game. The way he collapses when you get close to that Vegas Golden Knights net. The bottom line is, you come in, you get anywhere close to Aiden Hill or who's ever between the pipes, you're going to pay a price. And the Vegas Golden Knights, that's where I don't understand why you try to test them physically. You're going to pay a price. And people have been paying a price all season long. I mean, Braden McNabb, like one of this, this quiet guy, stone-faced guy, you get near the net and he just pounds 
on you. And that's what this team does. And and I think that Bruce Cassidy has instilled that in this team, instilled the confidence. And even talking with Jonathan Quick, you heard, you know, that's why I wanted to ask him. He has been on two Stanley Cup championships team with Stanley Cup champion coaches. What what is Bruce, What's the difference? And you could hear his respect that he had for Bruce Cassidy, even though he's not seeing the ice, the respect is there. And, um, and I think he is one of the biggest differences. I hope they retain this guy for a while. And, you know, the other thing, he is a, a, a pleasant surprise in, in post-game, in the, in the press conferences. He tells it like it is. He answers every question, and he elaborates. He gives you tape, man. You know, the board would be like four words. He'd say hello to you, acknowledge who you are, and then you couldn't get four words out of him. He's, he's tight-lipped, and he doesn't even have any lips. So I don't understand how he's a bit, you know, enough of that. The Vegas Golden Knights prediction, I said this before the series started, I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to say they're going to win in five games. Uh, Bernie Fratto and me got into a big argument, not I wouldn't say an argument, a discussion on the phone where Bernie was going the other way. I think he's got a little vendetta against the Knights for some reason, but he was going completely the other way, and we were going back and forth. Just the other day, he calls me, so what do you think? And he's like, I'm really surprised. And I'm like, no. You know, to me, I know conventional wisdom is the Vegas Golden Knights, but I say conventional wisdom is the Cinderella story, the team of destiny, Florida. I'm going against conventional wisdom. And I'm saying the Vegas Golden Knights are going to stop the team of destiny, and they're going to end Florida's run just like Denver's going to run Miami, going to end Miami's run in the NBA, which is a good segue over to Spencer bringing you in and talking about the NBA and uh, what is going on with this finals. You know, I did. I, I think most people felt that Boston was going to win Game 7, Spencer, when Boston, you know, wins those three games. They, they You know, everyone felt Miami needs to sweep, and when they didn't win Game 4, Boston win it. They go back home and win Game 5, and then go to Miami and win Game 6. It just seemed there's no way that they're going to win Game 7. And I still felt, you know what, the Miami Heat have Superman. I mean, I know there was a primetime in the NFL called Deion Sanders. Well, Jimmy Butler has the ability to be primetime in the NBA. I've never seen a guy like this, Spencer, that gets into the, gets into the playoffs and elevates his game as much as I've ever seen anybody do it. But when Jimmy Butler scores under 20 points... What happened, what happened in game, in game one is going to happen. happen. They've, They've got, got to have, have Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler uh, score. It's great to see Bam Adebayo score the double-double. Double. Huge, huge game for him, game although he had trouble, trouble blocking, block, you know, got, or guarding a joker, but, but who doesn't? But Spencer, does Miami, Miami have any chance to continue this run against Denver? Denver? Because what, what I'm, I'm seeing right now with the Joker and Murray between the two of them, I think they had 53 of the 104 points that Denver scored. I mean, how do you stop these two guys? And then you get contributions like off the bench in the first, or not even off the bench, as starters, Aaron Gordon. You know, four four field goals in the first five minutes of the game, he ends up with us. 16 points, but even the role players on Denver are playing really good basketball right time right now. I don't see this team getting beat. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And I think you set it up so well, Brian, where Jimmy Butler played has played so well in the playoffs. But it got to the point it was so bad in Game One of the Finals, and I was watching with my dad, and I was like, "Is Jimmy Butler playing? Like, did he get hurt? Did we miss something?" I mean, it wasn't even just that he was missing shots; is that he looked like he wasn't even on the court at some point. And I think a lot of that comes down to fatigue. I'm not necessarily ready to just say that this is the end of the series after one game. You know, it's so easy to overreact, especially because they dominated. But, you know, we you just talked about it, how the Celtics game went to, you know, seven games when it really should not have, right? They, they let that roll on for way too long. And, you know, I think the Celtics, by the time game seven rolled around, were just so exhausted. It's so hard to come down from 03. So hard that really no one's ever done it in any of the major sports, as we know. Uh, so I think there's a lot of that going into it. But 
at the same time, you look at Cody Zeller try to guard Jokic, and it's like almost hard to watch. It's he he like used both Cody Zeller. He used, he used both, both Cody Zeller and Bam Adebayo. He was just, I mean, there's just no defending the Joker. I mean, he is the best multi-way player I have seen to be as tall as he is and as thick as he is, and yet have a touch as soft as a baby. I mean, this guy is unbelievable and a lot of fun to watch play. But, you know, to me, Spencer, the two things besides, obviously, Jimmy Butler. Butler has, has got, got to get going, going which, which I think, I think he, will. he will. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler will light himself, himself up. I think, I think Miami, Miami used, used up a lot. lot. Coming back, you know, letting letting Boston come back in that series and having to go seven games, and you're talking about nine days in between games for you know for Den for Denver that they had all that rest, and you think it would hurt them? It didn't hurt them. I think it helped Denver, and I don't think this team is going to play at a lower level. But to me, the deal is Miami has got to do a better job defensively, fighting through screens and staying attached to Jamal Murray. He will light you up if you give him open looks off the screen. And, and roll, and that's, and that's what they what kept, they kept doing, doing, Spencer. And Jamal, Jamal Murray is just a scorer, and this guy is playing at the highest level right now. You got to talk about him as one of the best players in the NBA, and he's a guy that doesn't get mentioned when you talk about that. And the other thing, besides Jamal Murray getting, you know, staying on him, is Caleb Barton, the star of the Eastern Conference Finals, did not get his first field goal until about four minutes to go in the third quarter. They have now become to rely on him as somebody to help Adebayo and Jimmy Butler to kind of be that. That third leg, he wasn't, and that hurt him. And you know, Adebayo is not going to get you 26 points and 13 rebounds every night, and that was in a losing effort, uh, Spencer. But those are the two things that I see have to change if Miami's going to have a chance to come back and win and even compete in the series. Well, you touched on so many important things, and the first thing I'll say about Max Struess and Caleb Martin is, well, they shot like 0 for 14 from three-point range. That That's the formula to lose any basketball game, so they really would have been in it. I mean, they kind of got close in the fourth quarter, too, at one point. I think they made it a 10 excuse me, a 10-point game, uh, but if those guys shoot well, the game's a lot closer than anyone else thinks, so we'll have to see if they can kind of pull it together. You wouldn't imagine they'd shoot that bad twice in a row. That'd be incredible, but on the other end, when it comes to Jamal Murray, it's really, I mean, he is an incredible player, obviously, very talented. But you and I talked about this on the phone last night. It's not just that these guys are putting on beautiful individual performances. The Nuggets play like a team. They play such sound basketball. Jamal Murray isn't just going one-on-one. It's the screen and roll. Yeah. You know, Jokic gets the ball at the top of the three-point line, which, first of all, is ridiculous that a center could do something like that, essentially running the play, or he gets it at the elbow, or he gets it at the low block. Everybody's moving around at all times. They open it up for each other. You know, Aaron, you imagine him as a tight end in the NFL? Who we haven't even talked about in the corner. It's really, truly amazing, you know, what these guys can do. Bruce Brown's coming off the bench. I love this guy when he plays the Nets. One of my favorite, you know, free agent role players. Contavious Caldwell Pope really flies under the radar. This is a guy who's made a late surge in his career, started that first year at the Lakers in the bubble. He's having the best years of his career here late on. Did nothing for the Pistons, of course, Brian. Thanks. He just had to wait later into his career to do anything. You know, can't do it for Detroit, but he's really coming on. It comes from all of them. And rebounding, you know, you can say anything you want about offensive rebounding. Basketball is so random, as you know, the way the ball bounces. But if you watch them play, 
They box out every single opportunity. They're not giving up unnecessary second-chance points. That's what makes the Nuggets so good, on top of Jokic being literally the best player in the entire world. No, no question about it. They, they make it impossible for Miami to play in the paint. Other than Adebayo, nobody seems to be able to move in the paint. And you're 100% right. Cody Zeller, it was a joke. I mean, I, I think he spent more time on his rear end than he did standing on his feet yesterday trying to drive, guard the Joker. And the one thing for Miami that was a bright spot was uh, Haywood Highsmith off the bench. I mean, the guy played really well off the bench, had 18 points, but they're not going to get that every night. Uh, Caleb Martin has got to score, and Gabe Vincent had a decent game. I mean, he had 19 points and five assists. He gave you what he's going to have to, but Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler are going to have to get more offensively involved, or this could be another four-game sweep for Denver. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I like the fact that Denver's played in their first final, and it's about time in NBA history they're going to get themselves a uh, NBA championship. I mean, I think back to the days of Doug Moe, when Alex English was playing for the Denver Nuggets, and and I love the team. They'd always, and the reason they were so fun, they, they were they were, they were totally, totally crappy on defense, but every night they put up 125 points. And if you wanted to go see scoring, which is what you want to see when you go to an NBA game, that was the Denver Nugget philosophy under a guy like Doug Moe. So I, I like what's going on right now in Denver, and I think they win the end. I think they win the NBA title. I'm going to say they win it in five games. I think Jimmy Butler will stand up and literally win one game by himself. But I just think Denver is way too good. I think Joker and Jamal Murray, man, a one-two punch that is just unbeatable right now, and they are clicking on all cylinders and playing at the highest level. So, uh, Spencer, let's get right to it, man. Something I've been looking forward to talking to you about, and that is our Fact This. Facts This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This. It's a fact. Tom Brady is set to become an investor owner of the Las Vegas Raiders after his application to the NFL was accepted late last month. Recently, rumors have been circulating that Tom Brady will attempt to become a player owner with the Raiders. This is exactly that, a rumor. And here is what Tom Brady had to say about that. What is your message to those fans, the media, whoever it is, that's constantly concocting a way for you to come back? I'm certain I'm not playing again, so I've tried to make that clear, and I, I hate to continue to profess that because I've already told people that uh, lots of times, but I'm looking forward to my, my broadcasting job at Fox next year. Um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity ahead with the, with the Raiders, and we're in the process of that, along with the other different things that I'm a part of professionally and in my personal life, just spending as much time with my kids as I can and seeing them grow up and support the different things that they have going on, and that's a very important job. And I take them all pretty seriously. Hey, Tom, he's going to spend a lot of time with his kids. It reminds me of when Michael Jordan said, you know, I, I'm going to retire from basketball so I can spend more time with my family. And then he went and played double-A baseball for the White Sox organization. Which and I think, more. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, which, take, which he was never home. And it was, the divorce was vital a couple of years after that. And with Tom Brady, obviously his divorce already happened with uh, Giselle. And um, Tom Brady's not spending any time at home. He's going to be here in Vegas trying to, imp trying to impress Kelsey Plum. Maybe that's why he will come back and play quarterback. Who did I just start a rumor? I don't know if you ever saw this, Doug. Did you ever see? Oh the yeah, tweet? yeah. I was there. And, okay. The bottom line is this. 
I don't think Tom Brady sent the care package to Kelsey Plum and wanted her to put it on Twitter. I think it was like a little private thing that said, hey, Kelsey, because Kelsey, you're amazing. He writes on his jersey. Sends her a pair of his sweats and tennis shoes. I mean, come on, man. That was a little over the top. Now Darren Waller's off in New York. Kelsey's still here. Maybe Tom will go back and play quarterback and impress her again. Who knows? But I'm telling you what, Tom Brady's going to spend a lot of time in Vegas, and unless he moves his kids out to Las Vegas, trust me, Tom Brady's going to be here a lot. That's just my opinion and my guess. What do you think? Well, first of all, how can you be a broadcaster and a partial owner of an NFL team? I mean, right there, right? How can how you can be a player? player? You know how you know he's not going to no, be a Well, no, I know he's not going to, but you know how you you can because people are saying, well, you can't do it. There's a club, but there is a clause. Right, they can where, vote. You can, they can vote, but all the owners have to vote. There's no and way. There's no way. Right. Although, you know what? Honestly, they're stupid. I would let him play. Oh, he's done. Do. He is done. And he showed it last year. I mean, you saw the last year Drew Brees played. It was it was god awful. And Tom Brady, you could see, just doesn't have it anymore. And uh, you know, yes, the Raiders have some pretty good offensive weapons. Tom Brady wouldn't be one of them. I would rather see a hampered Jimmy G. And speaking of that, Spencer, while we still have a few minutes, I wanted to bring you in on Jimmy G. You know, people are saying he's going to be at training camp regardless. This guy is not healthy or ready to play football yet, and no one's talking about it. Is, is, there's, to me, a pretty good chance that Jimmy G, at best, will be 85% when the 2023 NFL season kicks off. That's what I think. That foot injury's bad, man, and, and and everyone's just letting it go like it's no big deal. He's not healthy, is he, Spence? No, he isn't healthy right now. But, you know, I, I don't know. This Raiders regime is so hard to get a read on them. They're so tight-lipped about, you know, everything, basically. Josh McDaniel says everything's fine. You know, At least they open the locker room to everybody. Out, of course. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I think he's going to be ready for week one. Uh, but you can obviously convince yourself, like almost like a movie, that Tom Brady's going to come run it in during the first week <laughs> and start to take over. It's almost like a script that writes itself. You know, it's, it reminds me of that scene in like Rocky Two when, uh, you know, uh, Paul she like she wakes up from her coma. And she's like, "Go win!" And you know, Tom Brady's like, just goes out and goes crazy. Oh, like, that's he, so know, funny. You know I mean, it, it, he won't be playing. It'll be Jimmy G Week One, and we'll see. If well, the bottom line is, you know, hey, no offense to my old Michigan State quarterback uh, Brian Hoyer, but uh, if it came down to Brian Hoyer, I'd say Tom Brady put on the pads and come back out at forty-five. Because to me, it's the old adage: six of one, half dozen of the other. Listen, uh, we're almost out of time, so I didn't want to mention the Las Vegas Aces. We talked about them. I went as they gave out the replica championship banners last Sunday to the first seventy-five hundred fans. It was pretty cool, man. I actually scammed two of them. I did. I'm putting one in my office and one at home. Doug Douglas got two of them too. He just he held up his hand. He admitted it. Hey, I got it. Someone offered me a second one. I took it. Uh, but the Aces are five and zero right now. Adding Candace Parker to an already stacked lineup. This team really is kind of a juggernaut. Can they go thirty one or thirty two and zero? I forget how many regular season games they play. That's really really a tall order. I mean, you're going to rest some of these players occasionally. I don't think they go undefeated, but I could see this team losing five or six games, and that's about it for the season. I can't see them not being favored to repeat, but again, you know, it's still a professional sport where injuries can happen. Asia Wilson, this team goes as Asia Wilson goes. She is that important to this team. Candace Parker's monstrous, but Asia Wilson is the wheel that makes this team spin, and uh, she's got to be healthy. Kelsey Plum, that backcourt of Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young now has really come into its own. I think the Olympics completely pumped this new life into Jackie Young, where now she has the confidence they want her to, and Kelsey Plum has been 
Houston. Now we saw why she was such a prolific scorer at Washington. Now she's doing it in the WNBA, one of the most respected guards in the league, and also uh, not, not 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 bad aesthetically either. I'm going to leave that alone though. And uh, finally, we'll talk about the Las Vegas uh, Aviators. They've got their final home game of the with the El Paso Chihuahuas tonight. Then they're on the road. I keep telling you, if you haven't been down in the Las Vegas ballpark, the nicest minor league facility in the country, check it out. Yeah, the A's may be here in a few years, but the Aviators are still a great time. Listen, we are out of time. This is out of line. We are here every Sunday morning, same time at 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman. I want to thank Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, as always, for keeping the video portion on point and helping me out with the show. And, of course, an honor to have the Doug Douglas in studio with us today. We'll be hearing him tomorrow night in the, uh, in the press box at uh, T-Mobile Arena. That's all the time we got. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.